0: Thank you for tuning into the Short Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, young adult librarian,
1: and I am Nick Barron, patron and sometimes volunteer.
0: This is a show where we talk to you about what we've been listening to, reading, or watching. And this week, we're going to be talking to you about children's books, uh, in particular picture books, for the most part. But first,
1: library news.
0: So we've got quite a few things coming up now that September is here. Um so some things are continuing on from the summer like art car online. So every Wednesday you can still look for instructions from Miss Susan online and then you can also stop by the library to pick up a kit um at the youth services desk. Um we also are going to be having stories on the lawn starting on Thursday, September 10th with Miss Heidi. Uh, If you are interested in participating in Stories on the Line, you do need to register in advance. You can either call us or you can register online. Uh, Story time will be from 10 a.m. to 10.30 on the lawn outside of the library. And registration started September 1st, and that will go until mid-October. We also are resuming our book clubs. So the next AM book club will be Thursday, September 17th. And they'll be discussing Little Faith by Nicholas Butler with Haley. Um, And that is actually going to be on Zoom, so if you need the information to log on so you can discuss the book with the rest of the book club, you can go to shorewardlibrary.org for the meeting ID and the passcode. Also coming up, we have on September 15th, uh, which is a Tuesday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., we're going to have Caregiving in the Age of COVID-19, which will be a virtual program on Zoom. And so uh, the description says, join us for discussion with a panel of local professionals about current caregiver concerns, resources available, and strategies on how to plan for the mu- future amidst of uncertainty. So this is going to be sponsored by the Shorewood Dementia Awareness Workgroup uh, and the Milwaukee Department of Aging, as well as by the Shorewood Senior Center. And it does require registration, so you can also go to shorewoodlibrary.org and go to our calendar and click on the link for this event if you'd like to register for it. And finally, uh, we are going to be re- doing teen take and makes throughout the summer or throughout the fall as well, just like we did throughout the summer. And the next one of those will be on Thursday, September 17th. And it'll be to make your own mini zine. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. And as always, you can check our events calendar at shorelibrary.org to see what's going on for you at the library.
1: Lots of exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, lots of exciting stuff. All right.
1: All Let's right. talk about some books. From the stacks.
0: All right. So you were going to talk a bit about books that you enjoyed a lot from when you were a child, right? So what is the first book that you remember your mom or dad reading to you?
1: Okay. So the first one that really sticks out in my mind is there's a monster at the end of this book. Uh-huh. Sesame
0: Street Grover? Is that the...
1: Yep, yep Indeed. It is by John Stone mm-hmm. um, and obviously it's it's a very simple book. Uh, each each page is flipping through Grover is is terrified. It's, it's a book about fear and Grover is terrified that you're gonna flip to the end of the book and release the monster. And so on every page, he builds some sort of contraption in order to or some sort of wall or, or barricade in order to prevent. Uh, you from turning the page and of course you turn the page and it destroys all of Grover's work and leads it leads you closer to releasing the monster at the end of this book at the very end of the book spoilers there's no monster at the end of the book and he's got nothing to be afraid of
0: It's been a long time since I read that one. I thought he was the monster at the end of the book, but maybe I'm wrong because technically Grover's a monster, isn't he? He's a Muppet. He's a monster.
1: He's a a (laughs) a Muppet, but no, he's he's afraid of monsters. Yeah, no, no, I I always loved it because my my mom, you know, it's the type of book that um, a parent can read with great gravitas, Mm. um, lots of drama, Mm. and um, and my, my mom did a great job uh every time she read it i was i was telling you the other day of uh my mom uh doing row 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 your boat and the boat tipped over and tipping me way back like she she had that same type of like you know excited dramatic energy that you would you would pull off when uh you would do something like that and uh yeah i i absolutely loved it
0: like i've I've mentioned before my mom was a preschool and, and first grade teacher um for many years and so I remember her reading a lot of books to us with a lot of emotion and it just made them so much more exciting and made me want to learn how to read. Yep. Yeah, the the first one that I think I remember having really good memories about was Corduroy by Don Freeman. And Corduroy is about this little teddy bear who um, this little girl, Lisa, of course, you know, I liked it because there was a little girl in it named Lisa and she was a little brown girl. Um, she uh, goes to the store and she really likes this teddy bear and, um, you know, but she, she can't have it. And so then we see this teddy bears adventures overnight, um, in the store. And then the next day, uh, you know, she, she gets the teddy bear and she takes it home and then her mom like fixes up its button cause it's missing a button from its, um, he's wearing like overalls and he's missing a button from his overalls. And so he's he goes around all all night trying to find a button. And I remember one part vividly of him trying to like rip a button off of a mattress to replace his, his button on his overalls mm-hmm. because he thought that, you know, Lisa didn't want him because he was defective because he was missing, you know, this button. And he wanted somebody to take him home so that he could, you know, have somebody who would love him. And I remember that story really sticking with me as a kid. And just like you, you know, my mom read it with a lot of emotion and excitement. And just like any little kid, I used to picture my stuffed animals and all my toys coming alive at night. And so it was just a great story. And it's one that I think really holds up and I think is great, you know, because it also depicts characters. Because I feel like a lot of the stories that I was read as a kid, you know, had like, either animals or white children. And like, it was one of the few stories that had like a Brown kid in it like that. And then my mom read a lot of Ezra Jack to us as well. He wrote like whistle for Willie and like snowy day. And, um, and so I remember being, you know, excited that, that there was this book where this kid did not look like all the other kids. He looked more like, you know, kids that I knew. Um, so yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. Like looking at my list and some of the things that I left off the list, Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the stories that I gravitated to were stories about um, not people, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like not listed here are things like, you know, Clifford or Curious George or Mm -hmm. uh, where where I I really, you know, Grover. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's, for some reason, I always liked. Not humans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't I don't know what, what that says about me, but yeah.
0: All right. So, what's the next book that you were going to talk about?
1: Okay. So the 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 next one is actually uh, one of the the few children's books that I can think of that does involve a human, and it's it's a it's an interesting one because it's about apathy. Um, Pierre, by uh, Maurice Sendak, and hmm. you said that Maurice Sendak was responsible for
0: where the wild things are,
1: which surprisingly is a book that I never read as a child. I've never read. I, I, I've never seen the movie. I've never read the book. I know what the monsters look like. I could tell, I could, you know, tell you, um, that the book exists and that is a famous and much beloved book. Never read it. Um, so a great book. Yeah. Um, but, Mm. uh, but yeah, the story of Pierre uh, is a, uh, a a kid who responds to everything that he is asked with the words "I don't care." And at the uh, at the end of the book, uh, he is is uh, faced with a lion, and the lion says, "I am going to eat you," and he says, "I don't care," and the kid gets eaten by the lion. <laughs> um, I I feel like there probably was more to it than that, but that was the thing that like stuck out in my brain. Uh And and I think that, uh, that it really reinforced um, the, the damaging qualities of apathy. Um, And so, yeah, I, I, I I think that that kind of helped that kind of helped shape who I am.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, I remember. I, I vaguely remember that one. I also remember my mom reading uh, Chicken Soup with Rice, I think, by him. And that was like a collection of stories. And I think the peer one was in a collection of stories too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> the other book that I remember from my childhood that I liked a lot was Miss Nelson is Missing. And I think I liked that book a lot because my mom, like I said, was a teacher. And so it gave me it gave me a different view on teachers because, um, you know, my mom was my mom. And when you're like three, you don't think of your mom as a teacher, but you know, your mom's a teacher. And then you think of your teachers as, you know, not being like real people. You know, you think of them as living at school. And like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't think of them as being at the grocery store or at home. And so Miss Nelson is Missing is by Harry Allard and James Marshall. And it's this story of this teacher. And she's like the teacher of a uh, I don't know, like second or third grade class, and the kids are just awful in her class and they're really mean to her and they're like throwing things and they're just being bad kids, you know, and they're disrespectful. And so so one day she uh she decides to go to school dressed up as this like evil mean teacher. And so she dresses up in like witchy clothes and like puts on this wig and like puts like on this like this like big nose and like, you know, she looks kind of like she's a witch and she um, you know, is very strict with them and they all are, uh, are like cowering in their chairs because this this new teacher is so the substitute is so terrifying and they, they just want Miss Nelson back. And if only they could have Miss Nelson because she was so nice. And and then finally, spoiler alert, at the end of the book, Miss Nelson comes back and we find out that she was the one who had dressed up as the substitute and it was her all along. But you know, the kids learn to appreciate her because, you know, they, uh, they didn't realize how good they had it until she wasn't around anymore.
1: The modern interpretation, she just went through a goth phase. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I remember liking that a lot because, you know, my mom would tell us stories about her students and how bad some of her students were and, um you know, just being like, why are they... Mean to my mom, like my mom's a nice teacher, you know. And then going to class, but also not not equating the two, you know. And but that started that that story started to make connections in my head. Of like oh, like my teachers are just like my mom, and they go home, and they might have kids, and they go grocery shopping, and they live. They don't live at school, <laughs> and like you know, it made me. It helped me form those connections.
1: It's it's funny when you first started uh, saying that about the relationship with teachers. I immediately okay. heard the peanuts uh, teacher voice in my head that I did that very poorly, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) I think everybody knows what you're talking about. Yes.
1: Um, But yeah, one of the, one of the other ones when we were going through this, that that stuck out in my mind is one that I, that we didn't own. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I don't know if my mom originally got it out from the library or if, uh, if we saw it at the dentist's office, because I have this this vivid memory of of the seeing the book at the dentist's office as well. Um, but it's uh, Sneetches and other stories, Seuss, right? Yeah, Dr. Seuss. Um, I don't know what Dr. Seuss's intent was with that one. If it was if it was like a, about um, if it was about race or or, or what it was about. Um, I took it as. My my reflection on it um, was about conformity, or, or, or it could have been about class. Um, would have been a would have been a possible interpretation as well. Um, but the idea that um, this Sneeches that had no stars on their bellies, and then there were Sneeches that did have stars on their bellies, and the Sneeches that didn't have stars on their bellies wanted to be like the Sneeches that did have the stars on their bellies because they were, in some way perceived as, as cooler or, or more elite. And so this guy comes along, um, something McBean with his star belly machine, and he creates a way to put be- stars on the bellies of all of the snitches. Uh-huh. So then the ones that did already have the stars on their bellies, they wanted to have a machine to remove the stars from their bellies. And so you see this big machine with the, the <laughs> being spit out on either side, star on, star off, star on, star off. And I love the story, but it was another one that I think made a, a big impact on me. And yeah, as. um Yeah, it made a big impact on me because as um, a family that was not well off and I was just a weird kid. Um, it made it OK. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So the final one that I'm going to talk
0: about my childhood, and then I'm going to go into some about my time as a, a storytelling preschool age librarian. Um, but first the, the last one that I want to talk about, since you mentioned dentists, uh, one of my favorites as a kid was Dr. DeSoto by William Stieg, Um, and Dr. DeSoto is about a couple uh, of mice who are dentists. Uh, the, the, Man, my mouse is a, is the dentist and the, the woman mouse is his okay. wife and she, you know, helps him run his dental practice. Mm. And um, this fox comes in who has a terrible toothache and you can tell he wants to eat Dr. DeSoto, but he also has this terrible toothache and you can tell that the fox is trying to figure out a way to like get his tooth taken care of and eat Dr. DeSoto at the same time. Mm. But Dr. DeSoto outsmarts him by creating like all these different ways to like work on his tooth and fix his tooth and help him out. And I remember really liking it because, you know, the ingenuity of Dr. DeSoto and then also the fact that Dr. DeSoto, even though this person, you know, this this fox wanted to hurt him. Dr. DeSoto still like did what was right and still helped the fox. Like he didn't mm-hmm. have to help the fox, but he, yeah. you know, he was like, this fox is hurting, and I can help this fox and this fox wants to eat me but i can find a way to like help him and and have him not eat me and um yeah i really i really enjoyed that story as a kid mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah it's it's amazing the it's amazing to me the way that some of the stories that we loved as kids help shape who we became
0: I know, for sure. And it's weird because you don't really think about it as a kid, but then like, when you're an adult and you think back on all the stories that, that you liked as a kid, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see how that shaped me here or there, you know, or yep. how it it shaped my values, um, you know, and it's interesting seeing the kind of values that your parents reinforced via the stories that they read to you and the ones that they picked out for you. And, yep. yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the, the, the last picture book that I was going to talk about um, is one that I don't think, I don't think it's the, The do that it deserves. Um, Okay. (laughs) And that is a one called Griswold by Uh Sid Hoff. Uh
0: huh. Who's of Danny and the Dinosaur fame. Yep.
1: Another thing that I have no idea what that is. You
0: never read (laughs) it? It's okay.
1: Um, But uh, it is, it's, it's got this really strong environmental message because uh-huh. um, Griswold is living in the forest and then the, the lumberjacks come in and they are tearing down the forest. So Griswold leaves and he ends up lost in a, in a city and, you know, ultimately ends up, you know, back in a forest. But it's like this. The story of, you know, him being displaced um, by kind of by you know environmental carnage Um, yeah and it was it was one of those things that i don't realize you know how much of an impact it had on me at the time um but yeah it it just it did
0: yeah so like i mentioned before um before i became a young adult librarian at sherwood i was the uh early literacy coordinator at another library so my job was mostly doing story time for two-year-olds and three-year-olds and and preschool kindergarten kids Um, and so there's a lot of stories that I read during my story times that I think are great and they're more modern stories so I just wanted to share a few of those in case you're looking for something they're not these aren't like brand new stories from the last couple years these are probably from like the last 15 years and I'm just sharing them because uh, sometimes it's harder to find the brand new stuff, but the stuff that, you know, is like 10, 15 years older, um, it's a little bit easier to find because, you know, people may not have checked it out currently. So the first one, um, I've got a list of about four or five here. First one is Zia's for Moose by Kelly Bingham and Paul Zielinski. And Zia's for Moose is a very comedic story about zebra who wants to put on this like talent show where each animal that represents a different letter of the alphabet is going to do a thing, and his friend Moose, who is just like, No, this is not how it's going to happen. And Moose, like, has all these unexpected and hilarious ways that he interrupts the talent show. And um it's just, it's a really funny read. It's a great uh, book because uh, it's also about like the ABCs. So it's, it's great for like older kids who already have a concept of what the ABCs are and, and what order they're supposed to go in because uh, it deals with like Moose trying to jump the line so that he's. Further up in line um, than the other letters, mm. and so it's it's pretty great. Uh, the next one is, that I have on my list is "The Day the Cranes Quit" by Drew Daywalt and Oliver Jeffers, and I really enjoy Oliver Jeffers' illustrations uh, in this. Uh, "The Day the Cranes Quit" is about a little boy named Duncan who just wants to call her when he opens his crayons box like it's empty and there's just a bunch of notes from all the crayons complaining so like blue is sick of only coloring water and like yellow and orange have had this huge fight and aren't talking to each other anymore and beige is mad because like you know brown gets picked over beige way more and pink just wants to be used and so all the crayons have all their complaints and basically you know, they have to. The Duncan has to figure out a way to make his crayons happy in order for them to come back, so that he can color. Because he just wants to color.
1: Mm.
0: He's got to give them, you know, their equal time and their equal share, and they all gotta gotta have opportunities to do things other than just you know, boring things that they always do, like blue being water. It's this this like I want to color
1: other things. Is this, <laughs> is this a book about how to train managers? That's. <laughs> That's that's what I get out of it is that it's, it's on how to how to future managers of America.
0: <laughs> Maybe I have no idea what their intent was, but it's a pretty cute book, and I enjoyed it yeah, a no, lot. It sounds cute. Um, one that I so before before I became a early literacy librarian, I was a nanny for a while, and I used to read this one to the little boys that I nannied a lot because they were very very into construction equipment. And this one is called Goodnight Goodnight Construction Site by Sherry Dusker Rinker and Tom Lichtenheld. And it's basically like a good night, good night, moon. But you say good night to all of the different construction equipment. So like the bulldozer and the backhoe and everything. And and as you're like saying good night, like it shows the, each of the construction equipment pieces, and each of them is making like a different noise or, or doing a different thing. And so you can do all the sound effects, and um, it's pretty great if you if you have little people in your life who enjoy construction equipment. And then, um, finally, the last one that I wanted to talk about... Actually, no, I've got two more. Uh, So one is Arg Spider by Lydia Monks. And that one is um, particularly entertaining for me and for people who do not like spiders. (laughs) Um, Because it's basically about this spider. And it's funny because the story, you know, I read this as an adult reading it to little kids. And it, like, kind of changed my mind a little bit about spiders. You know me. I'm still terrified of spiders. Like, I still... They're not, they're not the best thing in the world to me, but this like story illustrates how spiders are your friend and how spiders, you know, like the spider in the story just wants to be everybody's friend and everybody sees it and they scream and they run away and, and the spider's like, but I do this and I do this and I help. And like, and so it's a great, it's a great story for, for, you know, showing the value of different creatures in the world that we don't always think about, you know, just like spiders or bees or you know a lot of people I think think insects are are useless but like you know they they play a big part in our lives you know spiders spiders eat the mosquitoes you know spiders with, keep with, other bugs out of our houses
1: without spiders without bees uh, the world would not be a very good place
0: no it would not be so and then the uh the final one that I have here is oh no George by Chris Houghton And Oh No George is one that I would often do for story time that is great for like, uh, probably like three or four year olds. And it's basically the story of this dog who his owner tells him before he leaves, you know, I want you to be very good, George. I'm going out for, you know, I got to go to wherever the owner's going and, you know, just behave. And as soon as the owner leaves... George gets like into a fight with a cat and he's chasing the cat all over the the house and he knocks over this thing and he like destroys a cake and he you know knocks over the garbage and all these things and then at the end his owner comes home and his owner's just like going from room to room saying oh no George because George you know destroyed all these things and George looks so sad cuz he knows that his person is upset with him but then at the end you know um instead of being punished, George is taken out on a walk and, um, gets to go on a walk around the park. And so I think, you know, for, for little children, it's very reassuring because, you know, it shows that, um, you know, you may do things that get you in trouble, but at the end of the day, you know, your, your parents still, Mm -hmm. still love you and they still, you know, will take you out and do fun things. And it's, I think it, you know, it's a reassuring story. And it's also, you know, funny because I think a lot of little kids can relate to, to getting in trouble and doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Um, so, yeah, all those are are ones that I recommend. And, and if they're not available here at Shorewood, most of them are, um, but there's a couple that are not, but they're available within the Milwaukee County system. And I believe all the books that, that you mentioned, and I know all, all the books that I mentioned from my childhood, are, are also available either here at Shorewood or within the Milwaukee County system. Indeed. And so you, you had uh, one I, I, more that you wanted to talk about? I have
1: one more book that I want to talk about. But uh, while we're talking about, about children's stories, I just want to tell my, my chip on my shoulder story. About okay. the one time we don't have kids. and uh, Or I, I don't have kids. We don't have kids. I don't, love, I don't <laughs> have kids either. So I don't know why you switched it <laughs> like that, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so I've only ever read a story to a child. Once. Um, <laughs> and what was the story? Because Lisa, you were there.
0: Yes, the story was, oh, what story was it? It was. Because
1: I always want called? to say it's Good Night Moon, but it wasn't Good Night.
0: Moon. No, it wasn't Good Night Moon. I need to look this up. It was uh, by Lemony Snicket, and I think it was called Something About the Dark. I think it's just called The Dark. Let me look it up real quick here.
1: Not to be confused with The Great Record by the band Metal Church. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, my, yes, my-
0: it is just called of the dark by, by, uh, Lemni Snicket, also known as Daniel Daniel Handler.
1: Okay, so this was my one moment in the sun to read a story to a child. And with one page remaining, dinner was called and the kid ran off, and I never got to read the end of the book. <laughs> and for some reason, I
0: you were so sad. Yep. That's just life with children, Nick.
1: (laughs) I guess I'm better off. Oh. No, children are great. Children children are great, but they're little heartbreakers. Um, (laughs) But uh, so the last uh, thing that I was going to talk about is actually a children's book um, that uh, I did not read as a child. Um, Lisa introduced me to this book. about 10 years ago, uh, uh, she wanted to introduce me to Espanol and reading children's books is a, is a great way to, you know, you know, build your vocabulary with things that are simple. And so she brought home Harry El Perito Sucio by Jean Zion. Jean Zion. Um, so Harry, the dirty dog. And, um. Uh, it is, it, as I said, it's, it's a great way to, to, you know, start, you know, building that vocabulary, but, uh, that story made me so sad. It's funny because being, being an adult and having this, this strong emotional response, if, if you go back to the episode where we, where, uh, we talked about Benji the hunted, um, <laughs> I get these very emotional responses to these, these children's stories having to do with animals. Um, but yeah, I was so, so upset for, for the situation that, that this Harry, the dirty dog was enduring because nobody recognized him and it, it,
0: it was his fault because he goes out and he gets all dirty. And how is anybody supposed to recognize him? He's rolling around the dirt. He's playing, you know, in gravel. He, he dug his way out from underneath his family's fence and runs all over the city and gets super dirty. And he gets home and nobody recognizes him because he's so dirty. And
1: it tore my heart out. <laughs> so, so, yeah. That was- but
0: then at the end, it has a happy ending. They give him a bath. Because he, you know, he hates bath time. Mm. And at the end, he runs upstairs and he gets the brush and he gets the soap. And, you know, they're like, oh, I think he wants a bath. And then he, you know, but they're like, but Harry would never want a bath. Like, this is crazy. And then they take him upstairs and give him a bath. And guess what? It's
1: Harry. Luckily, Harry was that smart. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, they never would have taken him back. (laughs) awful story
0: it's great a cautionary story. tale
1: <laughs>
0: it's just like your are pierre yes. it's like you know you, you you're you fine with pierre getting eaten by a lion but harry's family not recognizing yeah, could, him it's like it scarred it. you <laughs>
1: um but yeah yeah much more much stronger emotional response when it's a dog um yes. so but uh but yeah no these these are all great stories
0: as always, thank you for listening to the Shorewood Stacks. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have any questions for your hosts, give us an email at shorewoodstacks at or contact us via our social media channels. We are on Twitter and on Facebook as the Shorewood Public Library. Until next time, thanks for listening and be well. Shorewood Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shorewood Public Library. Music for the show was created by Kevin McLeod. The song is titled Ice Flow and can be found at Incompetech.com.